Welcome to Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian, a podcast that can help you feel better about managing your finances and have a better outlook on life. I'm positive psychology expert Bright Dixon, and I'm here with Brian Ford, my number one source for all things financial wellness. How are you, Brian? I'm good. I'm excited we've got a cool guest. But uh, how about you? How are you today, Bright? I'm good. It's a beautiful day here today. I'm super excited about today's show, like you are, because we're going to talk about FIRE, which is short for Financial Independence Retire Early. It's a movement of people dedicated to extreme saving and investing with the goal of retiring extremely early, as soon as their 30s or 40s. I'm emphasizing extreme for a reason. FIRE, in its traditional sense, isn't for everybody. But there can also be varying degrees when it comes to how you approach something like FIRE. I'll tell you right now, I'm guessing it's not for me. I'm open to it, but I'm just making a hypothesis. I'm super glad. I know. I'm just I'm just saying I'm super glad that we have a guest today who can help me double check and at the very least figure out what key takeaways from FIRE are and how they might apply to me. Yeah, that's right. We're super stoked to have Ben Apple on the podcast. I know Ben from my time here at Truist. He's a senior vice president of workplace financial wellness, and he's also an expert when it comes to fire because he doesn't just know a lot about it, he lives it. He's just as big of a finance nerd as I am, so it probably won't surprise our listeners to learn that Ben and I are also good friends. You guys are besties from what I understand, Brian. Yeah, Ben's a good dude. I think you're gonna vibe with him well too, Bright. So let's get to it. Bright, are you ready to ignite this conversation about fire? (laughs) I guess we're starting with the puns already. I love it. You know it. All right, let's do this. Ben Apple is ridiculously passionate about personal finance and has spent his career helping people feel more confident with their money. I will add that Ben is a close family friend. My kids absolutely love him. However, I think they adore his lovely wife, Jenny, even more. Ben and I have hiked all over the U.S. and Canada together, and we are even tennis doubles partners. In fact, we won our match last night together. Yeah. So to have such a good friend and a fellow lover of all things money is an absolute delight for me. Ben, welcome to Money and Mindset. Heck yeah. Excited to be here. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. So my sort of fire, you know, exploration, I just started hearing about it in the past couple of years. And my guess is that there are probably a lot of misunderstandings out there about what it is, what it means. So like, let's just start there. Let's begin at the beginning. How do you explain fire? What is fire? For sure. And Bright, I know you're a skeptic. And so my goal is by the end of this podcast, I really want to convince you to think about fire as an option a little bit more openly, but we'll see how we do. But cool. but but starting it out, you know, really basic, like you said before, FIRE, F-I-R-E stands for financial independence, retire early. And it's basically this idea that if you can save and invest more money than maybe the average person, then you can retire sooner than the traditional retirement age of, of 65 or so. But more specifically, you know, the term financial independence, it's really defined as being in a place where you have enough money saved up so that you can live off the earnings from those savings without even having to dip into that principle. And if that's enough for you to live on, then you never need to work another day in your life. I know that's a very quick, simple answer. It's definitely a little bit more complex than that, but hopefully that gives us a good start. Yeah. And Ben, if you could share a little more for our listeners who don't know you as well as I do, 
What's your background with FIRE? Without getting too personal, what makes you qualified to speak about financial independence? Yeah, no, no worries at all. I, I always try to be an open book when it comes to this stuff. You know, my FIRE journey first started back in 2012 because I just happened upon an article about the idea of financial independence and early retirement. And what I will say is when I first read about it, it was like an explosion went off in my brain. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the math was simple. Philosophically, it just made so much sense. And I honestly couldn't believe that I've never heard of this concept before and that more people weren't talking about it. It felt like this secret that nobody really knew. It, it was such an obvious idea in hindsight. And from that moment, I pretty much got obsessed. You know, I started reading and researching everything about fire and personal finance that I could get my hands on, everything from books to blogs to podcasts. I learned about Roth IRAs and 401ks and index funds and this thing we'll talk about called the 4% withdrawal rule, retirement, budgeting, tracking expenses, all that good stuff. And I was hooked. And it was at that time, you know, in, in 2012 that I started saving for the first time. And I was actually just a college student and I had less than a thousand dollars to my name. And now if you fast forward 10 years later to the present day, my wife and I, we've reached a net worth of over a million dollars through nothing other than saving and investing. Yes. Let's go, Ben. Yeah, no. And I mean, sure. We, we have great jobs and, you know, there's, it's been a strong bull market for the most part. But I think it's important to point out is, you know, we never received an inheritance, never won the lottery, anything like that, just living well below our means, saving, investing along the way, right? And, and technically, we already are financially independent, and, and we have been for a couple of years, but we're not quite ready to do the whole retire early part of it yet. So to answer your question, Brian, on, on kind of, you know, I guess what makes me qualified or, or why I love this stuff, it's because I've lived it and it's been a big part of our life and, and I love this stuff. I've got so many questions, Ben. So here's the first one. I'm really curious about why different people get interested in FIRE, especially when it sounds like there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word because that entails sort of a certain like scarcity mindset, but it takes a lot. You have to make some decisions, right? And Brian, I'm interested in your thoughts on this too. So is FIRE something to aspire towards because you just like really don't like working? I mean, I, I too do not dream of labor, but like, is that why you're doing it? Ben, if it's okay, I'd love to jump in on this because I do chat with a lot of people that are full on into fire and many of them say they're doing it because they don't enjoy the grind of their full-time job. And while I understand this, I usually challenge this idea and I've had this conversation with Ben and I've challenged Ben probably over five years ago at this very thing. And we normally end up discussing, you know, how to find greater joy in their career right now, as opposed to this iron curtain between work and play. So, Bright, I know this is something we've talked about really in our last episode, this notion of finding work-life harmony. But Ben, tell us, you know, for you, how does this work factor into the decision to go all in on fire? And really, why are so many people interested in the fire movement from your perspective? For sure. I think both of y'all hit upon some really nice points. And Bright, I'd say the first thing that I'd kind of challenge you on, and, you, and, I, and I know you know, is that a lot of people think that fire has to be this big sacrifice, that mm -hmm. you can't have any fun, you can't spend money on anything else, and everything's got to be about saving. And that's not what it should be about, right? It does not have to be about sacrifice. You know, it's all about your goals, your values, your priorities. 
you know, a way to think about it is, you know how like when you really want something really, really bad, whether it's Taylor Swift concert tickets or going on an epic vacation or a new video game console, whatever you're into, when you want something really bad, it's really easy to save for it and cut back in other areas. You know, mm-hmm. fire works the same way, right? It's just another goal. It just happens to be a really big one. And so the big thing is, is like, I don't want people to think that you have to give up everything you love in order to save every possible penny to be able to fire. That's not the case at all. It's everything in moderation. And to me, frugality isn't about cutting back every expense possible and being cheap in every aspect of life. What it's really about is is finding the things you love and spending as much money on those things as you can while cutting expenses aggressively back in the other areas that you don't so you can spend even more of that money on the things that you do care about. You know, a good, I guess, example is my wife and I, we love traveling as a lot of people, you know, do. And, you know, in the last 10 years, we've been to over a dozen countries and 35 national parks. And if you look at my travel budget that we spend annually, you'd think there's no way that we were on the fire path. You might even be a little bit concerned that we were living within our means. But if you also knew that we drive used cars that are over 10 years old that Brian likes to make fun of, you know, we that we paid it's for in so cash. It's so true. Oh my gosh, his car. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and he never know, cleans it. It's dirty every time I see it. You know, it's it gives it character, right? But in, in you know, we live in a modest home for our income and, and we only go out to eat once per week, right? When you put all those other things together, that travel budget really starts to make sense how it's possible. And, you know, mm-hmm. another person, they might love going out to eat and driving a nice car and that's completely fine. It just means that you might not be able to go on all the vacations that you otherwise would because everything comes at a cost. You can't have everything, but you can have anything. And it's kind of being really targeted with what those goals are. But I also kind of want to address Brian's question, which is a big one that I I definitely get when it comes to this type of stuff, which is like, why are so many people interested in fire? You know, how much of it has to do with their job and not wanting to work and things like that. And Brian, I, I agree with you, right? I do think there's a lot of people out there that want to fire for what I think are the wrong reasons, but that's everybody's decision to make. But I, I think a lot of people want to fire because they hate their job and they're trying to fire away from a bad situation. Right? I think a lot of people assume that once they fire, they're magically going to be happy and all their problems will go away. And from what I've seen, those are the people who really struggle with the with their purpose in life once they actually fire. You know, there's this little saying in the fire community, it's really popular and it's build the life you want, then save for it. And what that means is it's really important to find happiness and joy in your life right now while you're on the path of fire. Because if you're not happy now while you're on the journey, you're not going to be happy once you get there. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people that instead of firing away from a bad situation, they actually are firing towards something that they really believe in. You know, it might be so that they can be an awesome parent and spend more time with their kids or take a year off and travel the world or become an entrepreneur and start that small business they've been dreaming about or switching careers, maybe halfway through into a much more lower paying, more fulfilling job because you don't have to worry about money so much anymore because you've already done a lot of that savings on the front end. But at the end of the day, fire gives you control and freedom over your life. It's about giving yourself choice and options, right? It's about getting to a place where you can make decisions not based on how much something costs or how much money you'll make, but by how much happiness that it brings you. And that's a really, really powerful place to be. Yeah, that's good stuff, Ben. I know with fire, you know, we hear the word extreme 
quite a bit when people talk about this subject, like extreme frugality, extreme budgeting, extreme saving and investing. I mean, for this to work, you've got to get pretty serious. Most people I know who do fire, they're saving and investing around 70% of their income. You know, it's typically pretty hardcore. And like Bright said earlier, it's not a lifestyle that suits everyone. But before we dig into whether fire may or may not be right for somebody, is it even possible without making a really large income? So, I mean, Ben, if we're crunching the numbers, how does the math behind fire actually work? No doubt, right? It's true, right? The more you save, the faster you're going to fire, right? A, a 75% savings rate will get you to early retirement faster than a 25% savings rate, right? That's just math. But it's also not a race. You know, the important thing to know is even folks who save and invest 20% of their income every year from the time they start working, they likely aren't going to have to work until they're 65. You know, even if you retire at 55 or 60, that's still years of your life that you're getting back. But, you know, the best question you just asked is, you know, is it possible without making a large income? And one of my favorite things about FIRE is that in some ways, it's, it's more about your expenses than your income. And no doubt, right, the more that you make, the easier it is to FIRE. But let me walk you through, I think, the basic math. And I'll try to keep it simple and, and kind of walk through it a little bit slow. So simple is whole- good. <laughs> we're, we're not big math fans on the podcast. I will. Oh boy. I'll tell everybody that Ben is a graduate of Georgia Tech. He happens to be really good at math. So make it simple for us, Ben. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, you know, there's the whole reason that this whole idea of fire is possible. It kind of is central around one idea. And it's this rule called the 4% withdrawal rule of retirement. And it's not meant to be kind of a hard and fast ironclad rule. It's more of a rule of thumb to help you estimate your retirement readiness. And what the 4% rule states is that if you have a certain amount of money saved up and invested in diversified index funds representing the total stock market, then you could withdraw 4% of that investment balance every year and have a very good chance, like a 95 plus percent chance and, and higher of never ever running out of money. In fact, in most cases, you would never even dip into your original principal and you would die with more money than when you started with, as long as you stick to that, that 4% withdrawal rate. And you know the reason that this works and kind of where that 4% comes from is that if you're familiar with the stock market and kind of long-term averages, you know, over the long term, you can expect an average return of about 7%. And that's even a little bit conservative. But when we're making these type of estimates, we always want to be a little bit on the conservative side. But then also, so you got 7% earnings long-term in the stock market. But then historically, inflation has been around 3%. And so the reason you get 4% is if you do 7% earnings minus that 3% inflation, that's where you get that 4% safe withdrawal rate as a nice rule of thumb and a starting point. But it's also important to keep in mind, right, these are all long-term averages that are proven by data. But we also know that some years the stock market, it's going to lose 20%. And some years it's going to gain 15 And in some years inflation is going to be 8 or 9%, like it has been a little bit recently. In some years, like it was for many, many years, it's going to hover around 1% or 2%, right? But what we do know is that over the long term, investors can expect about a 7% return and we can expect about 3% inflation. So that's where that 4% comes from. But now let's talk about why that's important. Because what that means is that how much you need to retire 
is 100% based on your expenses, not your income. And so a way to think about it, just with an example, Mm -hmm. is let's say that you and your family, maybe you spend $40,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle, to pay your bills, to do all the things you want to do, to to even do the fun stuff, to go on vacation, to buy the clothes, whatever it is. Then based on the 4% rule, you would need $1 million in investments in order to be what we call financially independent because 4% of $1 million is $40,000 a year. And that's what you can withdraw based on that rule of thumb. But what that also means is, hey, if you need $60,000 a year because maybe $40,000 isn't going to quite cut it, then you would need $1.5 million because $1.5 million, 4% of that is $60,000. But a nice little easy tip is if you want to figure out what your personal financial independence FI number is, then all you need to do is figure out how much money you spend in a given year, and more importantly, how much you maybe expect to spend in retirement, and multiply that number by 25. And the reason 25 is the number is because that's mathematically the inverse of 4%. So hopefully I'm not getting too complicated there. I just I just wanted to explain where, you're, where we're getting that number. And that's how much you need to save and invest to be FI. A really easy example just to keep the numbers really simple and easy is using that kind of 25 example is if you need a hundred thousand dollars a year to live on and to live the life you want to live uh, 2.5 million, 2.5 million. Boom. Done. Right. But at the end of the day, right. We want to keep in mind 4% rule. It's not designed to be that end all be all. It's more of a starting point to give you a quick estimate. And obviously you always want to make sure you're talking with your financial advisor about your specific situation, but it's a really great starting place for you. So Hopefully I didn't get too deep in the weeds in the math. Hopefully that wasn't too hard to follow. No, it wasn't. That That's really helpful. And I'm sort of thinking like beyond the financial challenges of this financial choice, I'm thinking how it could potentially complicate your relationships with friends and family. So if you're living with such an extremely frugal budget, do you have to give up on things like attending out-of-town weddings or giving gifts at baby showers? that kind of thing, or even just like going to the movies and grabbing drinks or dinner with friends. So it it seems to me that even if fire might work for you financially, it's a whole different question of whether it worked for you emotionally. Yeah. You know, Bright, that makes me think of my own financial outlook and how it's changed over the years. I was never hardcore into fire, but I definitely wanted to make a lot of money and save and invest a lot, probably more than the average person. But when I started having children, my mindset shifted. I was like, oh my gosh, like I really want to do stuff with my kids. I also wanted my children to have really cool experiences and get a, you know, a great education. So we started paying for tutors. We got dance lessons, tennis lessons, all those things. And I'll admit that I fell off the super frugality bandwagon just a little bit when I had kids because my values changed. So Ben, I think both Bright and I are really interested in hearing your take on all this. Has your outlook changed over the years? And what kind of conversations are you having with your family about your financial goals and how they might work with a FIRE lifestyle? Oh boy. Yeah, we're getting into the good stuff now because this is really what FIRE is about. And, And in my opinion, it's some of the hardest parts of FIRE, especially Bright, some of the things that you mentioned in general. I like to say that the financial side of personal finances, it's very logical, right? And it's easy to calculate. It's just math, but it's the personal side that's much more difficult Mm because we're human beings and we're emotional creatures and we make mistakes and, and all those things. But it's easy for me to say some of these things 
but it's harder to do them, right? Obviously, we know that, you know, you really shouldn't let, you know, something like fire keep you from doing the things you love. You know, I can say like, I've never not attended a wedding or not given gifts or, or gone out with friends because of money, because those things are my values, right? Those social occasions are one of the biggest values that my wife and I share. And, you know, if I'm thinking about it with my mathematical brain, that's probably some of the best dollar to joy ratio type of fun that I can get out there. But it's definitely something that that I've seen folks struggle with, right? And when you find yourself in that kind of dilemma, I think it's important to remind yourself your why behind the things that you do and why you're interested in this thing in the first place. Because for me, it's it's about freedom and it's about happiness. And, you know, if something brings me those two things, then I need to go for it. But Brian, the other thing that you mentioned is, man, when I, obviously when I first learned about fire 10 years ago, I'm a completely different person. Even when, you know, we first met, man, seven years ago, and maybe I talked about some of these things after we got to know each other a little bit better, my perspective has certainly changed. And a lot of it is because of exactly what you alluded to, right? For me, one of the biggest ways that my perspective on fire has changed over the years is it's become more about, you know, family. The One of the things that drives me and my wife on, you know, our fire goal is to have the ability to be an awesome dad and a husband. And, you know, the same thing, you know, for my wife, I want to be there for my wife and kids. You know, those are years and moments and memories that you can't ever get back. And I want to be in a place where I can, if I choose to, you know, step back from my career and focus more on my family. And, you know, obviously that's changed over time and I reserve the right for, for that to change. And, and Brian, you mentioned, you know, those things happen. And sometimes you might feel you fall off that super frugality bandwagon. And, and certainly, right, all those things, you make those decisions because it's right for you and your family. And I think that's something all of us go through. But if I'm being honest, you know, I think we are a lot further along when it comes to fire and our finances than I ever thought we would be at our age. You know, we're, man, we're five to 10 years ahead of even our most ambitious projections that we made when we first started this fire journey over 10 years ago. And our incomes have grown faster than we expected. So have our savings and investments. I was really, really interested in fire and personal finance early on. You know, some might say obsessed. And I, you know, I said I read every book and blog out there. But over time, I've realized that. I've already learned, you know, the basics and kind of everything there is to, to know at a high level. And now I just need to go out and live my life. And so I've mellowed out a lot as I've gotten older. And I'm sure that'll only continue to happen. Brian, you might have seen some of that happen before your eyes over the last seven or eight years since we've known each other. But I've noticed that as our net worth has really increased and gotten up there, I'm definitely less concerned with saving a few extra dollars here and there. I've realized that Fire's not a race, you know, it's a marathon. And I really want to make sure that we're enjoying it with every step along the way. Ben, you said something in that the dollar to joy ratio, which really struck me. I just jotted it down. What's the dollar to joy ratio? I honestly just made that up on the spot. I'd love, I love to it. say that's Trademark. something. Copyright. I know. <laughs> I'd love to say that's something I, I give a lot of thought, but I just, it just came out. I love that. So we're going to talk in just a minute about what financial and mindset lessons you can learn from the FIRE movement, even if you're not interested in going to the extreme. But first, let's take a look at some listener questions.
One common area that we hear from our listeners is how to deal with stress and anxiety, whether it's about money or something else going on in their lives. It's something we've talked about on the show before, and it's definitely something we'll tackle on future episodes. But Bright, what would you say to our listeners that are concerned with stress and anxiety? Yeah, I mean, it's a process, right? Stress is a part of life. We don't escape it. We don't like achieve peace of mind and then we just float on the peace of mind cloud for the rest of our lives. It's something that we're working towards. We're managing it. And the peace of mind really comes from the ability to manage stress. So there's lots of ways that you can calm your mind, learn how to self-regulate your emotions. You can talk with someone you trust, right? Social connection is huge. We actually regulate through other people more than we regulate just by ourselves going outside and enjoying nature, right? Connecting to the real world, curling up with a book, finding a hobby that brings you joy, right? There are all sorts of things that are practices that help you manage yourself. We all know about the meditation apps, the books, all of that stuff. But another thing, and Brian, I know you do this too, is breathing, right? Regulating how you breathe can help you manage stress and anxiety in the moment. Yeah, for sure. So, Bright, is there a particular breathing technique folks could use or try out today? Yeah, there are lots of really complicated ones, but the most simple one is called box breathing. And I use this a lot. It was actually taught to me by a friend of mine who was in special forces, and they use this a lot. So box breathing is just breathing in a box formation, right? So if you take your finger and draw on the table, just draw a square, you're going to be breathing in alignment with that square. So what that means basically is that you do an inhale, a hold, an exhale, a hold, an inhale, hold, exhale, hold. And you're doing each of those for the same amount of time. So the sides of the box are the same length, right? So we can try it together real fast. And what you're going to do is inhale, and let's say for a count of four. So ready? Inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four. So you're holding for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and you're just repeating that flow until you feel you literally in your body feel yourself relax. So, you know, at some point your body kind of unlocks and relaxes a little bit. You're just going to keep doing that until you have that. And then you can move on to whatever it is that you need to do. It's a breathing technique. It's a mindfulness technique because you've got to focus your mind on the counts and the breath and you use your brain power and attention to do that. It does a couple of things. So box breathing regulates your breath which helps you regulate your stress hormones, right? It also teaches your brain to focus and to have some patience and it calms your body. So the longer you count, right? So we counted for four, you can count for five, six, whatever. The longer you count, the more effort it takes and you can build that up as you want to. So many people use box breathing or other breathing techniques, right? We used it when I was working with the military, we did a ton of box breathing. Athletes do it, speakers do it, right? Lots and lots of people have this breathing technique. It helps us focus the mind, teaches us to be calm. 
So I really recommend box breathing. It's also great to teach to others because it's super easy. I was box breathing with my three-year-old nephew like a couple weeks ago, right? So it really helped him calm down in the moment. And then we got to do what we wanted to do together. So Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot since you're on the show with us today. How would you respond to this question? What's something you do when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed? (laughs) Oh, boy. I'd say if I'm being honest, I'm probably not leading by example in that (laughs) area. But, you know, I'd say when I feel really stuck and in a rut, it's normally because I have a lot of stuff to do that I really, really, really don't feel like doing. And so what tends to help me is to break up that task into smaller pieces and, and kind of list out the individual actions, right? I like lists. I'm a logical person. So I'll make a list of, of everything I need to do and start with the easiest thing first. And, and it kind of feels good to get that quick win, cross something off the list, just the personal satisfaction of crossing something off that list. I'll write something down immediately and then just cross it off just because it makes me feel like I actually accomplished something Yeah. because starting is the hardest part for me. And so anything I can do to make starting easier is going to be key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff. I will say, Bright, I am totally a fan of box breathing. I use it all the time. I've taught it to my four children. It's good stuff. Listeners, we'd love to hear more from you. Did these tips help you ease yourself when you were stressed? And what other questions do you have for us, whether it's about your money or finding more peace of mind, be sure to email us. That email address is askbrightandbrian at truest.com. Yep. Please keep those questions, messages coming. Again, the email address is askbrightandbrian at truest.com. Okay, Brian, I've been waiting very patiently for my turn to make a fire pun. So are we ready to rekindle the conversation about the fire movement? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes, let's do it. So I think we've established that the fire movement in its traditional sense, it isn't for everyone. But there are a few things about it that I really like, just for about anybody. One is that if people are interested in fire, they're interested in their finances, which is always a good thing. I think if we're getting into fire, we're reading more, we're starting to listen to a podcast about it and having more conversations about money with others. And I'm confident that this will lead to better money management overall. And even if you don't, you know, go to the most extreme level and achieve a secure and comfortable retirement, say in your 30s or 40s, oh my goodness, you're going to be so much further than you would have been otherwise. And you're going to set your future self up with a more comfortable and flexible lifestyle. Yeah. And I also really like this idea that in many ways, your life can be better when you're consuming less, right? So sort of like the management expense piece. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that speaks to that like dollar to joy ratio, Ben, that you were talking about and less stuff, right? Might likely mean more time, more room, more space for the people and things that make you really happy, which, you know, as we all know, aren't usually about money. For sure. That use less, spend less side of it. Super cool. We all know people who go maximalist, you know, they spend, spend, spend whatever they have. And that's not a good thing. Although money can be a factor when it comes to your overall happiness, you can't spend your way to happiness. Side note for our listeners, you can check out an earlier episode titled Money 
No, wait, what's it? What was it called again? I think it was called Can Money Buy You Happiness? That's right. So if you want to hear us talk more about that subject, tune in to that particular episode. But on the flip side of the spending spectrum, we also know that some people just save, save, save until they're basically, you know, kind of like Scrooge from the Christmas Carol and nobody wants to be Scrooge or at least perceived by others to be Scrooge. So I normally tell people like find a balance, right? There's a happy medium somewhere for you that's going to be unique to you that makes sense for you and aligns with what you value most. For some, it might be retiring by 35, but for most, it's probably about spending on experiences in your 20s and 30s. So Ben, what do you think? Are there different degrees of fire or at least some of its principles that might work for different people? For sure. And I also don't want you to think that it has to be one or the other. You can still have really great experiences in your 20s and 30s and, you know, still be on on kind of that fire path regardless of what it is. But, you know, there's definitely different degrees to fire, right? Every person can adapt these financial principles to your lifestyle and go at whatever pace suits you best. You know, some folks are going to retire at 35 by saving 70% of their income, while others are going to retire at 55 by saving 20%. And some are going to keep on working even though that they don't need to. But the best part of that is that they're working because they want to, not because they need to. And that's really what it's all about. Speaking of kind of different degrees of fire, One of my favorite concepts in the FIRE community is this idea of something called Coast Fi. It's also sometimes called Barista Fi. And it's basically the idea that if you do a good job of saving while you're younger, you can probably build a pretty decent nest egg that might not be big enough for you to retire early or or even be financially independent. But now that you have kind of this big chunk of money saved up and and it's, it's invested and kind of earning money over time, you now can switch to a lower paying, less stressful job and simply stop saving anything more. You can just, in that new job, you can just spend whatever you make, make sure you don't go into any debt, but you don't have to continue to to save for retirement and just let that original investment nest egg grow without any additional contributions. But you also wanna make sure you're not withdrawing anything from it and just let that grow, let it sit. And then, you know, maybe 15, 20, 25 years later, that original nest egg could be significantly larger. And now Mm -hmm. you can retire even though you haven't saved for retirement in 20 years. And so, you know, that's just one way to do it that I see a lot of folks talk about. There's no right way. There's no one way. It's going to be different for each person based on their goals and where they are in life and, and kind of the things that life throws at you along the way. Ben, how do the ideas behind FIRE help build and sustain like a healthy mental outlook? Like to me, I'm hearing like a lot of really healthy ideas in here that, you know, can go wayward like anything, but there's some great ideas. So I'm curious, like how has FIRE changed the way you view the world and what are some of the challenges you've come across within your FIRE journey? Yeah, I think it causes you to think really philosophically about a lot of things in life, which I think is, I think that's a good thing, you know, because to me, there's, there's a big overlap in certain qualities that I think are are central to the overall philosophy of fire, but also things that improve my happiness and overall mental outlook, you know, and and I think one of those things that I, I talk about a lot, I think about it a lot, is the idea of gratitude. And it's really just about kind of being happy with what you have. You know, we live in a society that 
kind of wants us to always want more, more, more. And, you know, one of the most powerful places to be is when you feel like you have enough. And that feeling of enough is is something that's pretty special. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people go their entire lives maybe without really feeling that feeling. And, you know, I guess another thing that I, I think of is I think a lot of us, you know, tend to tie our entire identity and a lot of our self-worth to our careers and what we do for a living, right? We kind of live in a society that constantly reinforces this because, I mean, you look at news articles and, and media and things, and we're always celebrating like the business leaders and the entrepreneurs and the movie stars and the athletes, these people with really awesome careers, but we don't really openly celebrate like the best fathers and husbands and, and friends, you know, in the same way, you know, the, I don't know, the 35 year old guy who's just a, a cool dude that has is just a good person to, to the people he cares about. Right. And so that's obviously a very nebulous kind of surface level example. But, you know, I say all that because fire has helped me, you know, view my world from a, from a less career oriented point of view towards a more holistic mindset focused on really maximizing my own happiness. And I think just like anything worth pursuing, there's always going to be challenges along the way. And Bright, you mentioned this earlier. It really is, I think, one of the biggest challenges around FIRE is getting their significant other on board because that's not going to happen overnight. It did not happen with my wife and I overnight, and it can't be forced. And just like anything in a relationship, it takes a lot of time, communication, empathy to talk through what you want out of life together. Yeah, that's good stuff, Ben. I'm just going to remind our listeners, Ben is, what are you, like 30, man? I'm 30. Dude. You're talking like a wise old 60-year-old, <laughs> but I think that's why we get along. I always say Ben is like an old soul. This is good I, stuff. I'm an old soul. All right, Ben, for our listeners out there who are really interested in giving FIRE a go, what are your most important tips to help them go after their early retirement goals? Yeah, you know, I'd say nothing too fancy, right? It, very simply, it boils down to a, a simple concept, which is, live below your means and save and invest the difference, right? That's really it in a nutshell. But the biggest part is the more that you do that, the faster you're going to get there. And it really is as simple as that. But if I were to get a little bit more specific, I guess, let me just talk about what I've done to, to get to where I am and some of the kind of the key things that I think about. You know, number one is saving first and automatic in my 401k and in my IRA which are, you know, investment tax advantage, investment retirement accounts. But probably more importantly is, you know, investing regularly, regardless of what the market is doing and making sure I don't get too worried and caught up about the short-term fluctuations and the stock market and the headlines, but making sure I kind of have that buy and hold mentality and staying the course for the long term. That's really helped me out. I'd say number two is this is where I'm going to lose a lot of people I know, but I love this one is tracking every single dollar I spend to make sure it's aligned with my values and my goals and the things that we're trying to accomplish. I love data, but doing it in a way that that's automatic. So I don't have to manually track it, but I love being able to go back and, and look at where my spending is going, how we did based on our budget, looking at it on an annual basis. Number three, this one I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, but I've really realized that honestly, just in the last couple of years is I've done a pretty good job in focusing on growing my career by doing well in my job. And that has really allowed me to grow my income faster than I would have expected. And that's really accelerated my path to fire. And most importantly, 
you know, I'd say making sure I'm always bringing everything back to my why, right? Why am I even interested in fire? What is my true purpose in life? Because that's the only thing that will keep me going when the going gets tough. So I guess those are some of my main takeaways that I would say, but, but what about you, Brian? What tips would you add on to that for someone who is going down this path and, and wants to have the option to maybe pursue fire? Well, my goodness, that was a great list. I think for our listeners, if they are ready to jump in, I personally would hit the back button a couple of times and re-listen to that, take notes, create an action plan that really works for your lifestyle. Well said, Ben. I like that. I would simply add that you can use this episode as a jumping off point. If you are inspired by Ben's story, continue to dig into the subject, read, keep learning, and start to apply what you're learning about. I agree. And I've got one more question for you, finance bros, since I've got you on the line. Did you call us finance bros? Yeah. Yes. And I'm just going to say, I think you're in a financial bromance. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's a beautiful thing. I love being able to witness it. I'm not even going to deny that. (laughs) So, okay. So last question. If we've acknowledged here that if if fire is your goal, right, you want financial independence, retire early. That's what you want to do. Sticking to that plan clearly requires a lot of self-discipline, willpower. But also, you know, one thing I'm hearing you say, Ben, is like, that you're moving towards something, right? That there's like positive emotion involved in it rather than like just a way, yes. right? But Brian and I talk a lot about control what you can control. So fire's all about that, right? Clearly. But there are going to be things that you can't control, right? So things like inflation, job layoff, like major medical challenge, right? All of that stuff. How do people in the fire movement think about that, set themselves up to be able to respond and stick to sort of the overall philosophy? Mm, That is a great question, Bright. Yes, I do think that the people who are all about fire, they, they view these things differently. They view these outside influences differently. First, relative to the stock market going up and down, they know that this is normal and they don't panic. I mean, I think you've heard that from Ben today. They continue to dollar cost average into the market and invest for the long term. Second, they don't get caught up in the drama of the headlines. They know that because of our bias towards the negative, that the news outlets, they love to focus on the bad stuff that's going on. Drama sells commercials. It grabs eyeballs. They get good at tuning this information out. They don't ignore it, but rather they look at the data and figure out exactly what it means for them and their plan. They work out the numbers, just like Ben talked about, and then they adjust accordingly. (laughs) Speaking of the need to adjust, this reminds me of when my son, he was just a little guy, maybe five years old, and I was just, I literally was standing there watching this happen. It was awesome. So he walked over to his older sister on the couch and he asked, he was like, Asia, it's my oldest daughter's name, Asia, what does the word adjust mean? And his sister said, well, bud, you know, it, it means when things don't go as planned, you you change things up a bit, so you're still okay. And my little guy, he, he sat there, you know, with a very pensive look. He nodded his head and like he understood and approved of that definition. Well, about five minutes later, he came back into the room and he yanked the blanket right off of his sister's lap. And she quickly was like, hey, bud, that's my blanket. And he quickly responded with, you need to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> 
like we love that story in our household. So I, I think a lot of hardcore followers of fire understand that some things are out of their control. So they expect some of these setbacks and, and they prepare for them. So in other words, they've got a plan B, such as a fully funded emergency savings account, and they're properly insured, et cetera. But anything you'd add to that, Ben? I mean, the other thing I'd say is, you know, you can't prepare for those really big what ifs and you don't really know when they're going to happen. But if you're on the fire path, you have a lot of financial security in your back pocket if anything does happen. I think you have a lot more flexibility. One thing I love about fire is, man, I don't know what the next step of life is going to take. I don't know if maybe, man, one of my parents were going to you know, need me to, maybe they get sick and I need to go take six months off work to to go, you know, care for them or, or something like that. But because we've done such a good job saving and are on this fire path, I don't have to worry about the money. I, I can really be flexible and say, yeah, that's really important to me. I need to go take care of that right now and put these other things on hold. Most people don't have that choice. And so what I love about fire is it just gives you choice and freedom over your time and over those things that might happen that we can't quite plan for and see coming around the next quarter. Such good stuff. Sadly, we're running out of time. But before we split, I do want to hear takeaways. I've got a number from this, but I want to hear y'all's biggest takeaways from this conversation. So Brian, kick us off. What's your biggest takeaway? Sure. I mean, as I've listened to Ben today, a thought keeps coming back to me. We spend a lot of time and energy trying to grasp the importance of spending just a little less and saving just a little more maybe trying to go from saving 10% to maybe 15%, for example. It excites me that people like Ben and others are saving over 50% of their income. It's doable. I mean, it inspires me to do just a little bit more. And then also, I love that Ben and his wife are living life on their terms with a high degree of intention. Those are my biggest takeaways. Ben, what about you? Any last minute takeaways? Well, I hope one of my takeaways is that I've made Bright a little bit more of a believer in fire. Even if she's not fully on board, she's like, oh, wow, okay, there's something there. I kind of like that. I understand it. But similar to that, I'd say even if fire or you think fire isn't for you, I still think there's some really good lessons that all of us can pull from to make our lives better. And at the end of the day, that's what this stuff is all about. Yeah, I agree. And I'm definitely curious. So I've moved from skeptic to curious. So that's a healthy change. I love that. But I think one of the things I'm going to be thinking about, Ben, as you said, you know, part of this is you can have anything, but you can't have everything. And I really love that as like just a way to think about the world. And I'm going to keep thinking about that dollar to joy ratio, because I think that's such a cool way to think about how you're spending and what you're spending on. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian. Thanks as always to everyone out there listening and extra thanks to our third B here, Ben Apple, for coming on the show to school us on fire. You really brought the heat, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Ben. We appreciate you, man. And a reminder to our listeners that you can always drop us a line at our email, askbrightandbrian at truest.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, sharing it with a friend, or giving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.
This episode of Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian is brought to you by Truist. <laughs> 